0: Okay, we're going to pick up today and do part two Q&A because there are so many questions that are, I find quite fascinating and obviously you guys want to know the answer to. So shall we get into it? How does the preparation go for an episode? I believe I talked about this slightly in part one Q&A, but firstly... I have a list or I have a continual list I'm making of things I find truly fascinating and some of them are far-fetched, not not far-fetched as in like unicorns, but in how would I get access, you know, to people in maximum security jails, women that kill, pedophiles, um, You know, there's some that aren't as easily accessible, Um, but they're still on my list. They won't go anywhere. I have definite dreams of meeting them all. And then I have another list which is attainable at the time. So, And it always just develops because I'm constantly learning and seeing new things that I find incredibly interesting. You know, I just watched a, a series called A Teacher, and I want to talk to a teacher that's had a relationship with her student and the student that had the relationship with the teacher. So it's a never ending list that I love to create. And my team are like, you'll never get that person. And then I'm like, oh yeah, we did get Brick banger the guy that has sex with the robots. We did get him. So what? Um, and things do take time. Sometimes we do some research and we do some reaching out and... Things don't transpire for months and months. So I guess the first element of prep is the wish list. And once we have someone in mind and we have, so for example, I was looking for somebody in a cult and we kind of had this short list and I did some research and then I just realized from the research that it wasn't the right fit for the deep. So that stays there on the back burner. For the ones where the research kind of connects and you're like, this person has something truly incredible to say. Not that the uh, others don't, it's just depends if it fits. Um, and that for me is a real personal feeling. I always go on a gut feeling. For those people, we then schedule... We share all of our information. We share episodes. We see if they're into it. And then we make a time to talk. And the briefing call is where the first connection is. It's where I explain who we are, what we do. I guess a level of um, expectation around what we need from a guest because you know um, these are really big heavy conversations and some people just do not want to go there and that is also so fine Um, you know one thing I say to all of our guests in a debrief call is the audience comes in with a preconceived idea of the subject we all do we all have these judgments I even have them my goal with their story is to disarm you guys, is to make you reevaluate and question every single thing you thought you knew or that your judgment predicted, to shake it up, to dismantle it, to shock you, to have you um, in awe, have you moved, have you crying, have you feeling so you have an experience with this person, you're on it with them, that by the time we get to the end of the interview, you have completely changed your perspective. The foundations in which you viewed this thing are changed forever. (laughs) I know that's a really big goal, but I want the guests to know that because they have the power to do that. They all do that. I don't think I've aired one that doesn't do that. Um, so I need them to know that that is my aim for their story to reach you and hit you and touch you in a way that can change you forever. And I think that allows them to go, oh, holy shit. Okay. Well, we're going there. Okay. This is, can I do this? Can I bring it? Can I be courageous? Um, And I would say 80% of the time they can, sometimes they cannot, sometimes they can't go through with it, but they definitely know then. And I say to them, this is not PC. This is not mainstream media. This is the reason I got out of mainstream media because you can go there. You can give me the worst, ugliest, dirtiest, filthiest, non-PC version of your story You can say whatever you want and there is this real freedom that whatever goes, goes. There is no boundaries. Obviously, post-production, if something has happened, that is putting somebody that is in the story – Putting them in a position that is difficult, we will have to have a conversation with this guest and edit that out. That doesn't often happen, but we do need to protect the identity and safety of people that are involved in someone's story that doesn't have an opportunity to talk in that moment. Okay, that was a good answer. How do you separate work and home life with such heavy topics? there's another one, do you debrief with someone when the interviews are heavy? They're kind of a similar thing. So, no, I don't, I'm not debriefing. How do I separate work and home life? I don't know how I do it, but I've been good at doing it. Maybe also because I haven't been recording heavy stuff recently. Sometimes I just need to have a big cry after. I need to kind of spritz my cleansing spray. I need to kind of cut energetic cords. Um, I need to pull in some good vibes from the higher powers that be. But generally when I get home, I mean, I'm with a three-year-old and I'm pregnant and my husband has a pretty intense schedule that I'm kind of like knocked back into home life pretty darn quick. Like it's pretty chaotic that there's not a lot of time for me to wallow in the other stories or the energies of those stories, which is probably a great thing I did in the start, but I don't generally feel like the stories stick with me as much as they used to. Next question. Do you cry a fair bit through the initial interview? If you're talking about the briefing, um, I actually ask them to hold on to a lot of the details so I'm not crying. Like it's not, I'm not hearing it twice. I'm not hearing the story twice. I kind of ask for a bite-sized version of that. And then when we go into record, I get the details along with all of you guys. So I'm hearing it fresh too and I'm, you've got a natural reaction. Sometimes they're just so fucking awful and I do cry with them. That definitely happened with Frankie initially uh, and a few of the others. But no, I really tried it. I call it the magic, not the crying, but the kind of the vulnerability and the cracks in the story. So I asked them to save that bit. Next question. Do you worry about crossing a line of a therapist for people who have not yet done the work themselves? Mm, such a good question. Um I'm not a therapist. I've had so much therapy, but I am not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. So um I don't feel like I cross a line because I feel like the people that are willing to share have generally either done the work themselves or they've sat with this for so long that it has kind of, I guess, shifted and moved through them over the years. The the few that I have felt that need to talk to someone prior to me or need some space and time around that I've been really honest with, I have a due diligence and a duty of care for everyone that we speak to. So I'm very incredibly mindful of these people being safe um, and the safety of their mental health. How do you make an income from it? What a great question. Yeah, it's tricky. You'll hear some ads occasionally in separate episodes, different episodes that I feel are an appropriate fit. Um, I do have a team and I have to pay them real money. <laughs> the only person doing this for love is me. Um, my team need to get paid. So advertising is one revenue stream. Um, but that is also really tricky because I have a really fucking hardcore podcast that lots of brands are terrified to touch. Um, if I could, I would have advertising in all of them and be making Joe Rogan money, you know, because that would give me access and ability to talk to so many other different people, but we don't have that at the moment. Um, what we do have is, the most incredible community and really serious numbers. Like there's this huge amount of you guys listening, which helps advertisers look past, oh my God, they're going to talk about vaginas. Oh my God, they're talking about trauma and go, well, actually, no, I'm getting into tens of thousands of people's ears and Zoe genuinely believes in the product. So they're going to believe in it. Cause that's something I really want you to know is, I genuinely only align with brands that I use, that I believe in, that I trust, especially with this kind of content. You can't like just pick up, you know, some kind of willy-nilly brand and, be like, and, and there's no authenticity and no connection and there there's such a mismatch. So that's one way. Um, if I'm being super-duper honest – the platforms that the podcasts live on like apple and spotify have just created opportunity for podcasters to make an income and support their teams by charging a small subscription fee like i'm talking tiny tiny subscription fee a week um it's something that i'm exploring i'm not sure about but yeah, I, I need to think of this long-term. I don't know if I can do this or how long I can do this for without some kind of financial support. Cause you know, to be here doing this with you, I have to pay a nanny to take my son and then I have to pay the team and it's it's, uh, I'm more out of pocket than not still. So I appreciate the question and I hope you appreciate the honesty. Um, one day yeah there might be a different model or there might just be really brave sponsors we'll just have to see how it plays out but you know if in a few more seasons we're still in the same position I'll have to really reevaluate it and and look at it as like can I keep spending a heap of money producing something I really love you know um And that's the, that's the thing, right? Like everyone gets this content for free, which is brilliant. Like love that. Um, But it's definitely a flaw for the creators because we're not being supported at all. And yeah, I I don't want it to wear me down. I want to continue this for the rest of my life. I want to give you these incredible stories for the rest of my life. So it's a work in progress, guys. It's a work in progress Next question is, do you always record in one session? Absolutely. I even record in one go. So there's no stopping and starting. There is hardly any editing, maybe if the dog barks or if I'm coughing or if they're coughing. But from the time that we press record to the time that it finishes is you're getting everything. Initially in the start, It was a little bit trickier for me. I was so much more nervous, so much more careful. Um, I would listen back and edit out lots of different things. And now I think that especially the discomfort and the awkwardness is the magic. And I want you guys to be a part of all of that. (laughs) Do you ever interview people and then not publish their episode as they were shit at being interviewed? No. No. That's never, ever happened. I can gauge that. There's definitely been interviews I've recorded and not been able to use for legal reasons. Um, That's always devastating, devastating. But um, as my lawyer once told me in one particular episode, it could be at the danger and detriment of my family. And I love this podcast but I will never, ever put my family or my child in harm's way. So those episodes unfortunately had to get cut. Other episodes that had to get cut were ones that looked like legally it was um, going to become a big dispute or legal battle, which I just uh, I don't have the the energy or the funds to do. Um, I've made, I've, I've learned a lot through that experience and I don't actually take on anything that is currently um, in the process of the courts apart from Molly because we, she was anonymous and every single identifying factor was taken out. Um, but anything that is currently in the court Or has investigation we aren't touching at the moment? Maybe in the future, but not at the moment. Emotionally, how am I coping making this series? To be really honest, I had to stop earlier than I planned in my pregnancy because I couldn't keep holding the space for the trauma while Holding space for the baby in my belly, I just couldn't do both. I didn't think it was healthy, um, so we did actually have to reschedule six interviews for after the birth of the baby. I I love this. I love I love the heaviness. I love the the resilience of people's trauma, but I just was finding it difficult. So. Um, That's the only time that I think I've had to put a boundary in. Otherwise, prior to that, um, I coped really well. Next question. What do you do to recenter yourself during an emotional interview? Such a good question. So obviously you've heard me lose it quite a few times. Um, I think the difference between being on mainstream media or a journalist on 60 Minutes or something that has to just really like have this cold energy, I get to be with them. And I'm not a crier, like I really am not a crier in real life, but I really love to hold space with someone and connect with them and be with them in their pain. Um, And I've allowed myself to do that. And I hope that never sounds um, distracting. You know, I am conscious of that. Like if I'm really overwhelmed, I try to hold back a little bit. Um, But to recenter, I think just through breath and through remembering that this is their story and this is about them um, and trying to get myself out of the way. I think that's the best way to do it would I ever take topic suggestions? Absolutely. All the time. Someone just slid into the DMs on the deep Instagram. If you don't know it, it's at what's the deep and gave me this great, um, suggestion for a, you know, the people that um, work with dead bodies. Is it a mortician? I feel like I'm making that up. Someone that works in the morgues and with the dead. Um, I thought that was a great, I have to find the angle there, but I thought there's something interesting with someone working with the deceased. So, yes, we are always open to topic suggestions, slide into our DMs. If you don't have Instagram, email AJ at admin at What episodes have you had to pull for legal reasons? I guess a lot of you want to know that. Um, one was on child sexual abuse, one was on a uh, troll, someone that trolls others online, and I had to pull those too. They never went to air, which was, yeah, upsetting. Do I stay in touch with any of my guests? In fact, I don't. Like, we're all friends on social media and we'll comment on people's bits and bobs, but I... Don't, I think that it's a beautiful thing to end the conversation where it is. The only friendships I have from the deep are Rachel Casella and Kira Rumble and they were friends or people I'd known going into it. Oh, and the uh, reformed meth addict, the ice user, he's a, a friend as well. Yeah, otherwise I feel like it's, nice and professional, to to leave it as it is. Do you ever feel triggered by a guest when they respond to a question with confrontation? No. I think, look, yes, I used to. Absolutely. I used to feel like, oh, fuck, I'm pissing them off. Oh, my God, I went too far. I asked this question and I, yes, totally. And now I think I'm so much more comfortable with the way I interview that I know that there are going to be uncomfortable moments. And in fact, they're some of the most brilliant moments. So there was a moment with Rachel Watton and she was like, she did not like the question. She was like, oh, that's an icky question. And I kind of felt she was judging me for the question. Right. But I had to honor that everyone else would want to know the question and I am your mouthpiece as much as I am my own so even though she felt like it was yucky she 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 understood why I had to do it we I explained that in the episode but I think that the interaction was quite awkward and uncomfortable like I still feel everything um it's just that I move past it. I also, you'd hear from season one to now, I used to want to try and perhaps rescue guests in their emotion, fears, tears, anxieties, breakdowns, and now I just give everyone so much space and I just don't talk a lot. Um and that, had to, that, that was me growing and getting over myself, you know, that these people need the space. They need to breathe. They need to break down. And if I'm interrupting and trying to, like, save them, it's a disservice to them, to the story, to you guys listening. So now I just completely get out of the way and I let them – I really just let – that's something I've, I've learned from Louis Theroux as well, who's, like, my idol – is just to allow silence because so much magic happens in the silence they share they drop in deeper they all of this stuff happens in the silence so yes I have felt triggered by confrontation, but now I just sit with it. And it actually has spilled into my real life. I feel a lot more comfortable being quiet or allowing space and stillness and silence than I used to. I used to want to feel silence and chat, 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 and talk and feel. Now I'm really okay with it, and I love that. That's a real gift that this – has given me what's my dream person to interview i would say the ones that are really hard to get like i'd mentioned before you know having access to a serial killer or like i really do find it interesting talking to perpetrators um i haven't done many but people that are on the side of the wrongdoing they're my dream people. I, why, you know, why people choose to do really bad things. I'd love to sit down and talk to a Nazi. There are these Aussie Nazis, and I'd love to sit down and talk to one of them. I'd like to have access to women that are domestic violent, not just speaking to women as victims, but speaking to women as perpetrators. Um, there's so many. They're generally the ones that are, that don't want to talk or are hard to connect with. Have you ever found yourself disliking someone you've interviewed? How have you dealt with this? No. No. Never. Um, and I think that is because of the briefing element that is, you know, that I get to do prior to even speaking to them. If they're turning me off on the first conversation, it's generally they don't, we don't move into having an interview. How long does it take to get a single episode in the bag? So the interviews are generally forty five minutes to an hour you guys get to experience that the setup you know maybe thirty minutes after I record I send all of it and any notes I have top of mind to my audio producer Joe she's the best she's gotten so many <laughs> new clients because she's the best I meant from the deep she's gotten so many new clients from the deep um. And then the next part of the process is Joe will edit out any kind of muffles or funky audio noises, coughs, burps, barks, whatever. Um, once it's at that stage, it then goes to AJ and myself to listen to the edit, like a cleaned up version. Um, If there's any notes, like if there's anything that is dangerous or going to put someone at risk, we will then put on um, any kind of trigger warnings, helplines and things into the show notes, but also we may have to edit those things out. If it's an anonymous episode, we have to change voices slightly. We have to edit out any kind of identifiable elements in their story, names, places, times, things like that. So there's definitely a process. And so once we have the end version that we're happy with, that then goes into a log and we look at the order of episodes and what fits where. Like we're not going to do sex, 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 sex or trauma, 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 trauma. We try and mix it up and do a bit of light and shade If there are sponsored ads, that has to be recorded and put into a position that we feel is really authentically aligned, makes sense. And then we choose a title and we write the show notes and we write links and all of those things. So it is a process. I'd say how long does it take? Oh, God. I don't know. We don't kind of do it in one sitting. There's kind of a few of them going at a time. I don't know, sometimes we have to smash things out real quick and it could be within the week, but generally longer. Where do you record from? (laughs) I recorded from a few places. So I had a studio that I used to rent out, but that was expensive. I used my best friend's closet. I used to sit down there cross-legged in his closet. So, so bad for my back. And then when I got pregnant, I was too big for the closet. So I ended up having to um, bring it home and it just worked out that my son goes to Montessori a couple of days a week and I schedule everything for those days. So if you saw my setup right now, I've got a fluffy blanket under the mic and the laptop and my, all of my gear. Then I have big puffy cushions surrounding me to block the sound and my headphones. It's a uh, pretty slick. <laughs> um, and I think that brings us to the end of the combos. Um, the, sorry. I think that brings us to the end of the questions. I absolutely loved answering them. Please keep them coming. If I've missed anything or you've missed out asking even thoughts, questions, queries, email them to ajadmin at zoemarshall.com. And also I'd love to ask you guys, I know we're kind of getting complacent now because we've got a rhythm, we know each other, but if you do love this podcast, it really helps and changes the algorithm and the game for us as, as a little podcast if you leave a review on Apple and you leave five stars because why wouldn't you? Just joking, you can leave however many you want. But leaving a review really helps us, um, helps people find us. And, yeah, we're just so grateful for our community and for you guys. So big love. I hope you enjoy the upcoming seasons. I am with child, trying to get back to you as soon as possible. And if there are a couple of weeks that aren't in break, that are off, please know that I want to be there with you and I will get back to you as soon as possible. But I also really just have to honor being a mum and having a little baby. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Hold up.